We're going to take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21. And this is a powerful prophetic word that the Lord gave me about the sword of Goliath, the sword of Goliath. I want to give you some context as you turn to 1 Samuel 21. Many of you know the story of David and Goliath. And because maybe you went to a church where they handed you a coloring book version of this, you probably believe that Goliath was killed by the actual stone. And you think that because you've heard preachers and they scream preach their most powerful message about how David killed Goliath with a stone. And I just want to break it to you. He knocked Goliath out with a stone, but he actually murdered Goliath. If you have a kid earmuffs, murdered Goliath with Goliath's own sword. And that's the truth of what happened. Now, at one point, I am going to take some time out of my life to make my very first adult Bible coloring book, and we'll use it at V1 Kids, where it shows David cutting off the head of Goliath, and the next page, he's got his head, and he's running through the town, and your kid's going to beg you to come to church the next week and see what else is in this crazy Bible. Don't, I won't tell you about the Bathsheba page. <laughs> Somebody is like, where do I order this? I've never bought a Christian book in my life. Where do I order this? The Lord rebuke you. You're nasty. But the reason why I say the context of this is because really what killed Goliath was Goliath's own sword. And for the preachers, you already know where I'm going. The very thing that was intended to take David out is what, what David used to kill Goliath. How many of you know that opportunity always comes disguised in opposition? How many of you know that your next level is always going to come disguised in another form of warfare? It's always going to be some way you're getting attacked. The attack reveals the place of significance. Wherever there is pain, there's purpose. Wherever there's perversion, there's purpose. God will take your misery and turn it into a ministry. Come on, you've heard it preached before. He'll take your test and make it your testimony. But the area you're being attacked actually reveals the most significant place that's where there's going to be some sort of uh, of anointing. There's going to be some sort of calling. And so David actually takes the sword of Goliath and uses it to kill Goliath. So you have to understand that. So I got to start by taking you past the coloring book. Then David is now completely perplexed because David is dealing with something he's never dealt with before. See, first he kills the lion. Then he kills the bear. Then when he looks at Goliath, he sees this, this giant and he says, well, because I've killed the lion and the bear, surely I can kill Goliath. But now how many of you know that sometimes those victories don't last that long? And sometimes you go from one victory right down into the valley. Sometimes you go the highest high and the lowest low two days apart. Sometimes you'll be shouting one day in church. You'll be crying in your car on Monday. Oh, I know nobody wants to keep it 100 with me, but this is what life is like. You know, you'll, you'll have a good day back to back with a bad day. And, and sometimes you'll believe for a healing. You'll get one healing, but then you'll get a new diagnosis. Sometimes you'll, you'll have a supernatural increase in finances and then find out you get laid off the next week. I've seen this stuff happen. And so David now is fighting a new problem. 
It's Saul trying to take his life. Saul's the king. This is the person who's supposed to promote him. This is the person that actually promised him. He promised all of Israel, if you kill this giant named Goliath, I'll give you wealth. I'll give you my daughter to marry and I'll give you position. What David gets out of this equation is murderous threats because Saul was a covenant breaker. And so what happens is the very person that was supposed to raise him up is now trying to destroy him. You know, let me give you a side note for your notes, but sometimes you have to serve under a Saul so that you never become one. Sometimes you have to be, you have to, you have to, <laughs> come on, y'all aren't ready for me. Sometimes you have to be misunderstood by a human to check how prophetic you really are. Sometimes the people over you don't even understand what's inside of you and you've got to believe it when they don't believe it. Sometimes, oh yeah, come on. Everybody wants to be a prophet, but nobody wants a prophet's journey. A prophet's journey is lay on your side for weeks and weeks and weeks. A prophet's journey is get crucified upside down. A prophet's journey is don't nobody believe you. A prophet's journey is you might not get the confirmation until after you're dead and you're in the great cloud of witnesses watching the word the Lord gave you fulfilled and you're not even there on planet earth to see it. A prophet's journey is a journey of persecution, a journey of suffering. Everybody wants to be an oracle of God, but you're not going to face the opposition of the devil. So the thing I'm trying to get down to is David, he's a prophet. He's a poet. He's destined to be king, but he's fighting something that he's never fought before. Let me just tell you, you might have more degrees than a thermometer. You might have a ton of money in your bank account right now. You might be physically fit. You don't just have a four pack. You got a six pack on your way to an eight pack. All the single women were like, where, where let me discern it. <laughs> you might have it all together now, but you will face circumstances that reveal that his ways are higher than your ways, that reveal that when your strategy runs out, you're going to need some favor from heaven. Let me just tell you, one of the ways that God's going to save your family members is by Christmas, they're going to run out of answers and they're going to be desperate. Deliverance is for the desperate, by the way. And God will cause you to get to a place where you run out of answers. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to make it any better. And then when you come to the end of yourself, you start to see the beginning of him. This is the way of the Lord. And so David now is in one of those situations. He's like, I figured out how to kill the lion. I figured out how to kill the bear. I figured out how to kill Goliath, but I do not understand how to move into this next season. I do not understand how to conquer this thing that's right in front of me. And so he does what he's always done. He goes back to the place of God's voice. What I love about David is David had a heart after God. David was in constant communication with God. And so the picture I'm going to show you in 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 8, is a picture of David perplexed, confused, disoriented, full of anxiety, stressed out. And he chooses to go to this region that's known for the place where the priests live. Because he's trying to get into God's presence. He's trying to hear from heaven. And he's interacting with this priest named Amalek. And they're having a conversation. Now look what David tries to do. Let's read these scriptures. And David said unto Amalek, is there not here under thine hand like a spear or a sword? 
For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business requires haste. So he's asking the priest. Now think about how foolish that is. He's asking the priest for weapons. That's desperation. I don't know what kind of church you went to. But it's highly unlikely that a priest would have weapons. Even the fact that David is asking Amalek for weapons reveals how desperate he is. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But what happens is your biggest deterrent to future success is actually past successes. I'm going to unlock a, a mystery for you right now. Your biggest deterrent to future successes is not past failures. It's past successes. Because what happens is you start to lean on your own abilities. Oh, and I know what kind of church I've got. I'm preaching to a congregation of fighters and warriors and people that ain't nobody going to give me money. So I'll hustle and make money. Ain't nobody going to encourage me. So I'll look in the mirror and encourage myself. Ain't nobody going to call me. So I'll get into the word and I'll call upon him. I know I got a church that's self-sufficient, but don't let self-sufficient turn into self-reliant. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. Don't let self-sufficient become self-reliant. And David was like, give me a weapon. Give me a weapon. Give me something to fight. Because if I can just, I, 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 I. And the Lord's like, David, I brought you to a situation that you don't know how to solve because I'm going to give you another revelation of who I am. And I don't know who I came to tell this to today, but God has brought you right up to a situation where you don't know what to do. Because if you knew what to do, you would do it and you would get the credit. But God said, says, I'm about to get the credit because I'm going to do what you can't do. I'm going to give you another revelation of me. Every problem is a new revelation waiting to happen. Every ambiguity that you have is another act of faith when you step out and say, God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And so what you're going to stop doing is trying to get out of the circumstance and you're going to dig your heels in and you're going to say, God, you must be trying to show me something. I'm not trying. Many of you are praying like like beggars. God, get me out here. God, please let this be over. But when you start to birth this next level, you're going to say, God, I'm staying here until it finishes to work on, on the inside of me. God, I'm done when you say I'm done. Oh, this pottery is going to start singing in this furnace. But God, you release me when it's time to release me. Some of you have been trying to get out. I want to know who wants to go deeper. Come on, if you leave the gym early, you get the results of leaving early. But if you learn how to linger, you learn how to stay. You know, it used to be, I can't believe I'm here with the devil. And now I'm saying, devil, you're the one who's trapped here with me. I'm going to terrorize you. Oh, you're going to rue the day that I woke up to terrorize you another time. It's time to flip it. But David didn't understand this revelation yet. Because up to this point, everything David had fought, he conquered himself. Yes, anointed with God. Yes, anointed by God's power and might. But it was still through his ingenuity. It was through his diligence. It was through his intelligence. But now you see God taking David beyond that realm. So consider it a compliment that the Lord has brought you to a place beyond yourself. <laughs> This is what he gives them. He says, watch this, watch this. 
And the priest said, well, we do have a weapon. As a matter of fact, it's funny you ask. Because we do have a weapon. You would remember this. It's the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you slew in the valley of Elah. Behold, it's wrapped in a cloth. Now watch, where's it wrapped? Behind the ephod. Now let me explain what this is in Judaism. The priests would wear this covering over their chest. This covering would have stones that represent the tribes of Israel. But that is not what the ephod represents. When it's on the chest of the priest, it represents communication between heaven and earth. It's an advocacy between the people and their maker. See, what you need in this season right now is you need prophetic communication. You need to receive a word from the Lord. You've got to switch off of your own ingenuity, and you need to switch into the supernatural realm. You need to switch into a rhema word from God. You need to switch into God's word for you right now. And so what he says, watch this, the sword, it's here, but it's behind the ephod. It was all trying to remind you of the time where you were abused and never thought you would have a healthy relationship. I'm trying to remind you of the time where you were destitute and poor and didn't know how you were going to pay the bills. I'm trying to remind you of the time where you were doubled over with a panic attack, thinking that you were physically dying, trying to get rushed to the hospital. I'm trying to remind you of the car accident and they came with the jaws of life and said, we don't don't know why you survived. I'm trying to remind you of the days you thought about quitting college, but you continue to persevere off of just one word I gave you. See, God is a God of remembrance. And sometimes his communication comes in the form of remembrance. Can somebody say remember? One of the most powerful things that you can do is remember where God brought you. Remember where God brought you. Remember, isn't it funny that a new temptation will actually cause you to forget an old victory? A new battle will cause you to forget an old healing. There's something about when we face something new, we're quick to forget. But that sword of Goliath was a reminder. God was trying to download something to David to remind him of what he had been for him in a previous season. It's going to be a new revelation, but it's the same God. It's going to be a new healing, but the same God. It's going to be a new provision, but the same God. It's going to be a new testimony, but the same testimony maker. It's going to be a new deliverance, but the same deliverer. See, he was trying to show him, yes, you're up against something new this time time, but remember what I did for you before. And when you don't know what else to say, say, but God. When you don't know what else to say, you say, but God, I should have been an addict, but God, I should be out of my right mind, but God, I should have been abandoned and alone, but God, there's something happening in the soul of David in this time. He says, will you take it? And this is what David says. There is none like that. Give it to me. Somebody say, give it to me. Yeah, give me the sword of Goliath. Give me the sword of Goliath. One of the most profound things that the Lord was dealing with me is about helping his people understand how to take the sword. You know, there's another scripture in the New Testament where Jesus Christ looks at his 12 disciples and he says, hey, I want you to go into town and I all want you to buy swords. And I think it makes Peter's mishap make more sense because later on, you know, they're trying to take Jesus away to crucify him. And you see Peter actually attempt to cut that centurion soldier's ear off. 
And if you read the previous scripture where Jesus said, buy a sword, can you imagine Peter was like, well, what'd you have us buy it for? You know, when you connect it together, Jesus literally said, go and buy swords. You know, can you imagine me having the V1 pastoral staff uh, strapping swords every Sunday? Papa Dean probably would. He'd be sharpening it over there. I'd be like, no, no, no. But what he was doing, Jesus, it seems contradictory. He tells all these men, go into the city and buy a sword. And then Peter goes to use the sword and Jesus heals the man's ear and says, no, no, that's not what I meant at all. It, the sword was a symbol. It was a symbol of authority. This is the mystery that I'm trying to reveal to you. The sword is a symbol. It's a symbol of authority. And I think probably one of the things that God had brought you to this church to learn is how to exercise your authority. God wants you to be a carrier of a sword, a carrier of authority. Life is not happening to you. You should be happening to life. You're not in the passenger seat. You're in the driver's seat. And some of you are like, that sounds sacrilegious. I thought God was in control. You don't understand theology properly. If you, I dare you this week, do this with your children because children love uh, Genesis 1 through 6. Your kids will love it. It's super scandalous, very engaging. But when you read the plan, the Bible says in Genesis 1 through 6, those first five, six chapters, that God made a garden in the east called Eden. And then he gave man dominion over the earth. And then he creates woman, and they begin to do what he called them to do in terms of having dominion. And so I need you to help. I need to help under you to understand that God, many of you are waiting for God to do something that he has already given you permission to do. Don't ask God to say it. If you have his mouth on earth to speak it, don't ask God to go. If you are the feet of Jesus, don't ask God to give it unless you recognize you are Jesus hands to give it. It's like this is understanding dominion. And when you begin to operate in dominion, you change the way it, it changes everything. You're no longer now in the passive role. You are in the active role. And what happened was David showed up. To, he showed up to this scene in 1 Samuel 21 to Amalek, and he showed up passive. Don't you have a sword? Don't you have something? I feel naked, whatever. And when he was given the sword of Goliath, he was actually reminded, God has given you dominion. God has given you authority. Act on that authority. It's not your power alone. It's God acknowledging the anointing on your life. And he's coming into agreement with the decision he made about you. Remember, oh, I'm pre am I preaching too deep for somebody? Samuel shows up. He says, is there another? And he anoints David. David was anointed by God. Can you say the anointing? The anointing is a designation. It means you are called out. You are separated. When something is anointed, it's saying there are many sheep, but you belong to this shepherd because you bear that shepherd's anointing. And so the anointing is something that is a designation. So what's happening is David has Goliath's sword in his hand and the Lord is trying to remind him, son, I anointed you. And I want to speak this to somebody right now. Son, daughter, you have been anointed. If you can hear my voice right now, I know you're anointed because you're here by divine appointment to hear this word. You did not anoint yourself. You did not appoint yourself. David was 
busying himself with his father's work, but the Lord found him and anointed him and appointed him. And I'm just here to tell you, you didn't ask for it, but it is being asked of you because the Lord sees your heart. Some of you have such a condemnation theology. You constantly are beating yourself. Oh, I'm beating yourself up. I didn't pray enough. I didn't fast enough. I, I didn't do right this week. I didn't listen to enough worship music. I cussed a little, sm smoke a little, drink a little. You need to get out of that babiness. You, that is baby stuff. I don't know who I'm talking to. That's baby stuff. You're anointed. God sees your heart. There's a purity of heart that you have. There's something, there's an aroma before God that's provoking him because he knows that you love love him and he knows that you desire to be in his will. I don't know who I'm talking to, but David was shedding off a babiness to him right now. The Lord, that, that priest handed them, him the sword of Goliath to say, don't you remember what I did through your hand? David, you took the sword and cut off Goliath's head. Surely I'm going to keep you going. And some of you are acting like God is going to get you all the way out here to abandon you. Matter of fact, the proof that he has a plan to carry you all the way is that you got this far. The, oh, I don't know who needed to hear that. I wish somebody would take five seconds for a praise break. I wish that there's a David that would recognize that God is giving you Goliath's sword. He didn't deliver you from the paw of the lion and the bear. He didn't deliver you from the hand of that uncircumcised Philistine just to abandon you right in the middle. Whew. I know it's the middle, halfway through your journey. I know that some of you have made a decision that the shoreline is going to disappear behind you. And that shoreline has been like a safety for you. And you said, oh, I can still go back if I want to. I can still go back to drink. I feel the anointing on this. I can still go back to drinking if I need it. I can still go back to smoking if I need it. But there's somebody else who says, I'm leaving that shoreline behind. I'm going to go so far out, I can't see it anymore. I'm going to go, so I'm never going back. I'm blocking everybody I need to block. I'm repositioning my life. See, David was stepping out deeper now. David was stepping out deeper and he said, I need the sword of Goliath as this reminder. Let me tell you something. Come on, I'm going to keep going. You preach this thing with me. Amalek gave him a couple of things. In 1 Samuel 23, 9, it says, David asked for the ephod as a way to hear from God. Somebody needs to know that it's time to put the ephod on. It's time to hear from God. It's time to put the ephod on. Turn that phone aside. Come on, turn that phone aside this week. Put that phone away. You're addicted to your phone. And the Lord said, I will not compete with a phone. I will not compete with TikTok. I don't compete with Instagram. I don't compete. You want to be a prophet? It's a prophet's designation. You Oh, come on, somebody. Samuel had to learn how to cultivate the voice of the Lord in his sleep. He was greater than Eli, but Eli was over him. Stop complaining about leadership in your life and you hear the word of the Lord. You develop what God has for you. And so what happens is David, 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 he puts on that ephod. Now let me just tell you, David was not supposed to put it on. He's not a priest. He's not a Levite, but he was bold. He was bold. He was bold. Yesterday I met Florian outside of Cat's Deli. If you don't know what that is, they have like $40 sandwiches a big old stack of meat that you get. And there was a homeless guy outside who said, somebody give me a sandwich, somebody give me a sandwich. 
Well, Florian's over our missions department. He has that heart. He goes in and buys this $40 pastrami and comes out with it and hands it to the guy. And the, and he said, he asked the guy, you know, why couldn't you just eat at a deli down the street? And this homeless guy said, I didn't want the deli down the street. I wanted cats. And some woman said, why did you just get a homeless guy a cat sandwich? And Florian turns to her and says, because he was bold enough to ask for it. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to, but David was bold enough to ask for the ephod. I don't care what tribe I'm a part of, but I need a word from the Lord. I'm going to hear from God. And you have not because... Come on, help me, saints. You have not because... Somebody better get bold. The Lord says, if you ask for the nations, I will give you the nations for your inheritance. If you will ask for it, if you will ask for a house, I'll give you a house so that you can subdue this territory. If you ask for a building, I'll give you a building. You have not because you ask not. You ain't asking for nothing, so you ain't getting nothing. But faith, 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 we've got to start being stirred in faith. David was, he was daring enough to ask. He asked for a weapon and he got Goliath's sword. He asked for an ephod and he got the ephod to hear the word of the Lord. There's one more. There's one more thing that was given to him. And this was showbread. Now let me tell you about showbread because this is old covenant. Showbread was bread that was offered before the Lord. Now, almost all of the Jews unanimously agree that the showbread that was used in ceremonies was unleavened. Now, why does that matter and what is unleavened? It's very important that you all understand this because the Lord, we must also always be offering before the Lord. It's just the way it is. He's a holy God that's, that's due all of our sacrifices. And so the unleavened bread, what that simply means is it's bread that's made without yeast so it doesn't rise and you'd be saying what's the significance of that bread that doesn't rise let me tell you when the children of israel were released from slavery and bondage and they were sent into the wilderness it happened so fast that to the tradition that they tell is that they couldn't even wait for their bread to rise and so unleavened bread is a symbol of how fast god delivers and see when he was here in this region and he was with Amalek. They, it says that Amalek gave him unleavened bread, gave him the showbread. And as he was eating that showbread, again, God was communicating to David. And what he was trying to say is, David, I know you're up against something you don't know how to win. I know you're up against something new, but I'm, I'm reminding you. See, there's a remembrance. You see that remembrance? I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and it was a quick work. I don't know who needs to hear this right now. There are some things that you're telling God it's going to take 50 years and God says, no, it's going to take me five minutes. There's an unleavened bread for somebody today. There's an unleavened bread. It may take five generations, but it's going to take one generation in your life. Oh, your kids, it's not passing down to your kids. It's ending with you, and you're going to start the legacy. Oh, yes, it might have taken multiple generations, but I see unleavened bread from heaven, and I see the people of God eating some unleavened bread, saying, God, do a quick work. Do a quick work. Do a quick work. Unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. 
People say all the time, it takes churches 30, 40, 50 years to do what V1 did in seven years. Yeah, but I'm eating unleavened bread. God's trying to deliver his people. God's trying to do a work. I'm eating unleavened bread. He sent them out of Egypt with the quickness and he's doing it today. He's doing it right now. This is my last thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. Say hidden wisdom. So there's hidden wisdom of God. And it says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So in other words, God always had a plan, which none of the, none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, if the devil knew the fullness of God's plan for your life, he wouldn't have even messed up and fought you the way he fought you. If the... If, the, if those demons knew what was going to come out of your life, they wouldn't have even messed with you like they did. Because see, what happens is they, the Bible says they wouldn't have even crucified Jesus if they knew what was going to happen with the crucified Jesus. Because on the third day, he rose from the dead with all power. On the third day, he had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so here's the thing, the devil wouldn't have even messed with you if he knew it was going to release the mystery of God's glory. God, uh, it never would have happened to you if it wasn't for God working out a plan he had. This is the word of the Lord for somebody. It's time to hold Goliath's sword and say the devil messed up when he did it to me because when he squeezed me, he caused the glory to begin to be manifested. The devil messed up because when he fought me, all he did was cause fire to come down from heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Let me show you. I want to read this to you. This is going to be so powerful. Because see, what happens in scripture, when you're reading 1 Samuel, and you're going through the journey of David's life, there are several Psalms that are written and credited to David. And so because David was a poet and a prophet and a king, you get to see how he interacts with God through worship as he's experiencing warfare. Because there's always new revelations that are revealed through new temptations. There are always new mysteries of God that are being revealed through the miseries of the enemy. So God is always doing something. So you get to see what happens. Now, when I read this, this is Psalm 34. Many of you didn't know that David wrote Psalm 34 during the events that I explained at length today. And it's going to hit different. Isn't that how you talk, Gen Z? It's going to hit different. It's going to hit different because many of you know Psalm 33, but you don't know the pain behind it. You know the Psalm, you don't know the pain. But when I, I just told you he's running from his, for his life, He's being pursued. He's got Amalek giving him the sword of Goliath. He's going to hide in the cave called Adullam, where many men would be drawn unto him and see the sword of Goliath. 
How many of you know that people will look at you and they'll say, they don't have the throne of Saul, but they have the sword of Goliath. I'd rather follow somebody with Goliath's sword than Saul's throne. Some of you aren't even in position yet, but there's some people that have recognized your authority yet, that, that you're already stepping in because you got Goliath's sword. And so what begins to happen in Psalm 34 is you get a revelation of what, what was in, in the spirit of David as he was going through this. So I want to, I want to read this to you because this becomes your battle cry now. This becomes your worship this time. This becomes what God wants to do through you. Are you ready for this? So David is holding the sword of Goliath in one hand. He's holding the pen, the writer's pen in the other hand. He is literally being pursued for his life. Fear and anxiety are all around him. Depression is all around him. He's in between victories. I don't know who's in between a victory right now, but I got a word from the Lord for you. And this is what comes out of David. And see, this is what the Lord's trying to bring out of you. He says in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. Here's my favorite one. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You didn't know. David said, I'm out of arsenal. I don't know how to fight this battle. And then the Lord said, I fight your battles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. I'll never forget after Hurricane Katrina, I went down to New Orleans to live and to serve people who were affected by that hurricane. And I was working with the Army Corps of Engineers. We were in the Lower Ninth Ward. If you know anything about the history of that city, when Hurricane Katrina came, it ravaged and destroyed every house but one house. I was one of the first people on the ground there. And I'll never forget, I, I, they, the, all, everybody was talking. All the Army Corps of Engin Engineers were saying, how in the world is this one house still standing every house was rubble every house was destroyed every i mean a roof of one house would literally be two blocks away from the water and one house was standing completely intact and i'll never forget as a young man i walked into that house and on the wall it said the angel of the lord encamps around those who fear him I came out and I looked at the Army Corps of Engineers and I say, I've got an explanation for why that house didn't come down. It's very simple. There was a believer in that house. There was a man or woman of God in that house. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. The angel of the Lord is still preserving and saving his people. Hallelujah. You didn't know Psalms 34. This is the last word I want to release over you. By the time, Mark this preacher's words, by the time you get to the end of your life, you're going to have a conversation with God. 
and he might ask you, now that you've seen the best-selling books I get, that came through you, now that you see the business that, that made multi-generational wealth and provided for the kingdom, now that you think about all the sermons I've used you to preach your entire life and the countless thousands that you reached with your story and your testimony, if I could take you back so that you never experienced the pain, would you go back and erase the pain? And mark my words, when you're holding Goliath's sword in your hand and you know that God has raised you up for the sake of his people, you'll say, God, if I had to go through every bit of that pain again, I'd go through it again. I'd go through every single bit of it again. I wouldn't change one thing. Mark this preacher's words. The end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. The end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. The end of a thing redefines the beginning of the thing. Oh, I believe that Goliath's sword stayed with David till the end. And David looked at it many times and said, God, you took me out of obscurity and you used me to do great mighty names. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is Goliath's sword. I want to pray over you right now because I feel like something was deposited in you. Wherever there's pain, there's purpose. Think about how you were hurt. That's how you help. Think about the things that you didn't think you could survive. That becomes the key that unlocks the, the lock that's imprisoning somebody else. And if I ask you, give me those keys, but I have to take all the memories with it. You'd say, let's do it all again. When you see how many people are living in your yes, when you see how many people are living in your yes, when you see, oh, listen to me, young people, listen to me, single moms, listen to me, dads who think that they're going to break down because their dad's been dead and gone for a long time and they never seen a man go this far. Mark this preacher's words. You, you wouldn't go back and change a thing because you're the breaker. You're the breaker. You're the break. You wouldn't go back and change a thing because there's going to be thousands of people that live in your yes. The Lord told me, Mike, I've given you a church full of prophets. I've given you a church full of priests. I give you a church full of apostles. This is a different church. This is a sending church. This is a church of breakthrough and healing. This is a church of mission and destiny. This is a church of assignments being fulfilled. This is what you're living in right now. Across every location, let's just lift our hands. I want to pray for you right now because I feel this in my spirit so strong. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God is faithful. Remember what he did for you. Remember how he brought you out. Remember when he chops off the head of the enemy, it means that that devil can't talk no more. It means Goliath, you can't use your tongue to taunt us anymore. You can't monitor us and listen in to our conversations anymore. I see the Lord severing the heads of your enemy. I see him severing the heads of your enemy right now. And the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. But it also says after that, that he will silence every tongue that rises against you, that rises against you. The Lord is silencing some enemies right now. Father, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice 
that they are gonna lay hold to Goliath's sword, that they are gonna be reminded Father, that they're going to speak the gospel in dark places, in the highways and the byways, that they're going to go and set at liberty the captives and declare the favor of God as they speak the name of Jesus, God. And I thank you that the lion is roaring, roaring over our life, roaring over our family, roaring over our life now in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody sing this out one more time. Come on, prophesy this phrase.